Hi, this is book three, episode 31 of Puritans Read, where we read great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Continuing today, The Godly Man's Picture by Thomas Watson, chapter nine, Motives to Persevere in Godliness. So that I may encourage Christians to persevere in the profession of godliness, I shall propose these four considerations. Number one, it is the glory and crown of a Christian to be gray-headed in godliness. Jason of Cyprus, an old disciple, Acts twenty-one sixteen. What an honor it is to see a Christian's garments red with blood, yet his conscience pure white and his graces green and flourishing. Number two, how sinners persevere in their sins. They are settled on their lees. Zephaniah 1, 12. The judgments of God will not deter or remove them. They say to their sin, as Ruth said to Naomi, Where thou goest, I will go. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. Ruth 1, 16 and 17. So nothing shall part men from their sins. Oh, what a shame it is that the wicked should be fixed in evil, and we unfixed in good, that they should be more constant in the devil's service than we are in Christ's. Number three. Our perseverance in godliness may be a means of confirming others. Cyprian's hearers followed him to the place of his suffering, and when they saw his steadfastness in the faith, they cried out, Let us also die with our holy pastor. Many of the brethren, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word. Philippians 1.14 St. Paul's zeal and constancy animated the onlookers. His prison chains made converts in Nero's court, and two of those converts were afterwards martyrs, as history relates. Number four, we shall lose nothing by our perseverance in godliness. There are eight glorious promises which God has entailed on the persevering saints. Firstly, be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Revelation 2.10 Christian, you may lose the breath of life, but not the crown of life. Secondly, to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life. Revelation 2.7 This tree of life is the Lord Jesus. This tree infuses life and prevents death. The day we eat of this tree, our eyes shall indeed be opened to see God. Thirdly, to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. Revelation 2.17 This promise consists of three branches. A. I will give to eat of the hidden manna. This is mysterious. It signifies the love of God, which is manna for sweetness, and hidden for its rarity. B. I will give him a white stone, that is, absolution. It may be called a precious stone, says Jerome. C. 
and in the stone a new name, that is, adoption. He shall be reputed an heir of heaven, and no one can know it except the one who has the privy seal of the Spirit to assure him of it. Fourthly, he that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Revelation 3, 5. The persevering saint shall be clothed in white. This is an emblem of joy. Ecclesiastes 9, 8. He shall put off his mourning and be clothed in the white robe of glory. And I will not blot his name out of the book of life. God will blot a believer's sins out, but he will not blot his name out. The book of God's decree has no errata in it. But I will confess his name. If anyone has owned Christ on earth and worn his colors when it was death to wear them, Christ will not be ashamed of him, but will confess his name before his Father and the holy angels. Oh, what comfort and honor it will be to have a good look from Christ at the last day. No, to have Christ own us by name and say these were they who stood up for my truth and kept their garments pure in a defiling age. These shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Fifthly, him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God. Revelation three twelve. There are many excellent things couched in this promise. I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. The hypocrite is a reed shaken by the wind, but the conquering saint shall be a glorious pillar, a pillar of strength, and a pillar in the temple for sanctity. And he shall go no more out. I understand this of a glorified state. He shall go no more out. That is, after he has overcome, he shall not go out to the wars any more. He shall never have any more sin or temptation to conflict with. No more noise of drum or cannon shall be heard. But having won the field, the believer shall now stay at home and divide the spoil. And I will write upon him the name of my God. That is, he shall be openly acknowledged as my child, just as the son bears his father's name. How honorable that saint must be who has God's own name written on him. And I will write upon him the name of the city of my God. That is, he shall be enrolled as a denizen or citizen of the Jerusalem above. He shall be made free in the angelic society. Sixthly, he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. Revelation 2, 26. This may have a double mystery. Either it may be understood of the saints living on earth, they shall have power over the nations, their zeal and patience shall overpower the adversaries of truth, Acts 6.10. Or, principally, it may be understood of the saints triumphing in heaven. They shall have power over the nations. They shall share with Christ and some of his power. 
they shall join with him in judging the world in the last days. Know ye not that the saints shall judge the world. 1 Corinthians 6, 2. Seventhly, to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Revelation 3, 21. A. Here is, first, the saints' dignity. They shall sit upon the throne. B. Their safety. They shall sit with Christ. Christ holds them fast, and no one shall pluck them off his throne. The saints may be turned out of their houses, but they cannot be turned out of Christ's throne. Men may as well pluck a star out of the sky as a saint out of the throne. Eighthly, I will give him the morning star. Revelation 2.28 Though the saints may be sullied with reproach in this life, though they may be termed factious and disloyal, St. Paul himself suffered trouble in the opinion of some as an evildoer. 2 Timothy 2.9 Yet God will bring forth the saints' righteousness as the light, and they shall shine like the morning star, which is brighter than the rest. I will give him the morning star. This morning star is meant of Christ. As if Christ had said, I will give the persevering saint some of my beauty. I will put some of my splendid rays on him. He shall have the nearest degree of glory to me, as the morning star is nearest the sun. Oh, what soul-ravishing promises there are here! Who would not persevere in godliness? Whoever is not affected by these promises is either a stone or a brute. Chapter 10 Counsel for the Godly Let me, in the next place, direct myself to those who have a real work of godliness in their hearts, and I would speak to them by way of 1. Caution 2. Counsel 3. Comfort Number 1. By way of caution Do not blur these characteristics of grace in your souls. Though God's children cannot quite deface their graces, yet they may disfigure them. Too much carnal liberty may weaken their evidences, and so dim their luster that they cannot be read. These characteristics of the godly are precious things. Gold and crystal cannot be compared with them. Oh, keep them well written in your hearts, and they will be so many living comforts in a dying hour. It will not frighten a Christian to have all the signs of death in his body when he can see all the signs of grace in his soul. He will say with Simeon, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace. Luke 2, 29. Number two, by way of counsel. You who are enriched with the treasures of godliness, bless God for it. This flower does not grow in nature's garden. You had enlisted yourselves under the devil and taken pay on his side, fighting against your own happiness. And then God came with converting grace and put forth a loving and gentle violence, causing you to espouse his quarrel against Satan. 
You had lain many years, soaking in wickedness, as if you had been parboiled for hell. And then God laid you steeping in Christ's blood and breathed holiness into your heart. Oh, what cause you have to write yourselves as eternal debtors to free grace. He who does not give God the praise for his grace denies that God is its author. Oh, acknowledge the love of God. Admire distinguishing mercy. Set the crown of your praise on the head of free grace. If we are to be thankful for the fruits of the earth, how much more for the fruits of the Spirit? It is good that there is an eternity coming when the saints shall triumph in God and make his praise glorious. Number three, by way of comfort. You who have only the least dram of godliness, insincerity, let me give you rich consolation. Jesus Christ will not discourage the weakest grace, but will cherish and preserve it to eternity. Grace which is only newly budded shall, by the beams of the Son of Righteousness, be prepared and ripened for glory. This I shall speak about more fully in the next chapter. Chapter 11, Comfort to the Godly. A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory. Matthew 12, 20. This text is spoken prophetically of Christ. He will not crow over the infirmities of his people. He will not crush grace in its infancy. I begin with the first, the bruised reed. Question, what is to be understood here by a reed? Answer, it is not to be taken literally, but mystically. It is a rational reed, the spiritual part of man, the soul, which may well be compared to a reed because it is subject to imbecility and shaking in this life till it grows up unto a firm cedar in heaven. Question. What is meant by a bruised reed? Answer. It is a soul humbled and bruised by the sense of sin. It weeps, but does not despair. It is tossed upon the waves of fear, yet not without the anchor of hope. Question. What is meant by Christ's not breaking this reed? Answer. The sense is that Christ will not discourage any mournful spirit who is in the pangs of the new birth. If the bruise of sin is felt, it shall not be mortal. A bruised reed shall he not break. In the words, there is an understatement. He will not break it. That is, he will bind up the bruised reed. He will comfort it. This has been Book 3, Episode 31 of Puritan's Read. We read The Godly Man's Picture by Thomas Watson, Chapters 9 and 10, and the introduction to Chapter 11.